0: Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe.
1: So here's this man at the manger, Joseph, a quiet man, a man of honor, a man of righteousness. He's a wonderful privilege of giving this little baby boy a name, Jesus. And he will begin to understand that that little boy born in a stable and laid in a manger is none other than God incarnate.
0: Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe, Senior Pastor of Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. How's your preparation for Christmas? Perhaps it's difficult to focus on Christmas with all that's going on in the world. But today on The Verdict, we're beginning a special Christmas series to help us. It's called At the Manger. So let's join Pastor John Monroe as he introduces this new Christmas series and today's lesson.
1: It's difficult to think, isn't it, that Christmas is only about 10 days away. Yet it offers many opportunities for us to reach out to those who have never had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus. So for the next few broadcasts, we're focusing on the theme, at the manger. Who was at the manger? What was it like? Who did God sovereignly select to be at the birth of his son? A manger is a nice way of saying that Jesus was born in a feeding trough of animals. The Lord of glory is born in the humblest of circumstances. No room at the inn, but let's draw near to that holy place on that first Christmas. One of the most important people there is often the one who seems to be in the shadows. Well, during the Christmas season, we're going to focus our remarks on the theme of At the Manger. Think of it. We're all familiar uh, with the manger. We see the pictures. We see the little nativity scenes. But I want you to think of it in a fresh way. Think of this. That the almighty great God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who can do all things, the one who is infinite, the one who is so big that he is immeasurable, he's infinite in his size, infinite in his wisdom, infinite in his power. And yet, in the miracle of the incarnation, this great God becomes flesh. The Bible says that the Word, referring to our Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the triune God, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Yes, it is true that 2,000 years ago, in a little country that we know as Israel, the Messiah came and there he was born. He was born in a town, a town of Bethlehem, just on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that as he was born, he was laid in a manger. You know what a manger is. It's the feeding trough for animals. Think of that. The Lord of glory, as he enters this world, he could have been born anywhere that he chose. But in accordance with scripture, he's born in the town of Bethlehem, uh, the city of David, and he's laid in a manger. If you go to Bethlehem today uh, and go to the Church of Nativity as I've been, you'll see a kind of cave. There's a church built over it. And it is said that it is there in that cave where Jesus was born. We think of the, a little shed as a place where the cattle and the sheep and the donkeys might have been, but we're told in all probability it would have been a kind of cave. And there Jesus is born. It's a place of rejection, no room in the inn. It's a place of humility that he is laid in a box that is used to feed animals. I remember when my youngest brother uh, was born He's about 16 years, uh, 14 or 15 years younger than I am. And uh, I don't know why, because it was expected that this little boy was gonna be born. But I remember him coming home from hospital and for some reason my parents weren't organized. They didn't have a little crib for him. And so for the first uh, few nights, uh, he lay in a drawer, which I thought was a fitting place for him as a 14 year old. (laughs) But imagine being laid in the feeding trough of animals. Now, very few people saw the birth of the Lord Jesus. We're going to be thinking of them. Uh, There was no doctors or nurses who were there. Well, most of all, importantly, of course, there was Jesus. Then there's his mother, Mary. And the shepherds are there. They come. No, there's no wise men there. They're going to come later to the house, the Bible tells us. There is no little drummer boy there. I don't know how he got in, but he is not there. There probably uh, would have been animals, perhaps a donkey like the one I recently encountered in uh, Nazareth. It was called Maisie, I think. And uh, we, in a recent trip, went to Nazareth and uh, saw this donkey. Perhaps uh, in the stable, there were donkeys like this. Perhaps is the descendant of the donkey uh, that took Mary possibly from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Imagine giving birth, surrounded by animals. But there's another person in the manger, one who we don't think about so much, perhaps a bit in the shadows, but we want to think of him because he's a very important person in the story of Christmas, yes, Joseph. Is that the manger? If you have your Bible, I want you to open it to the first gospel, the gospel according to Matthew, and to open it to the first chapter. There are four gospels, and uh, we're going to read from the first one, Matthew chapter one, and uh, we're reading from verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. We want to think of this man, Joseph. He is a man of obedience. As I've read and pondered uh, the story and thought of Joseph, this has struck me that this man is a man of obedience. When told of the pregnancy of his fiancee, he obeys God. Now, Matthew is giving the account of Jesus' birth from the perspective of Joseph. Luke gives the birth of Jesus from the perspective of Mary. This young man and this young woman, Joseph and Mary, live in a very small town, a very insignificant town of Nazareth, north of Jerusalem in the province of Galilee. And this man is engaged to Mary. Uh, they're probably, according to that culture, in their teens. Don't think of them as in their 20s or 30s, but think of them uh, in their teens. Is Joseph probably uh, being a little older than his fiancée, Mary. And in that culture, the engagement was regarded as a binding marriage contract, albeit the couple certainly did not live together. If the engagement contract was broken for any reason, it was referred to as a divorce. And that was only done in very extreme circumstances. And the relationship between this young man and this young woman in that culture who were engaged certainly was not to be physically consummated during the engagement. That was very, very wrong and against the Mosaic law. Can you imagine then, Joseph, as he learns that his fiancée is with child? He must have experienced great pain, humiliation, confusion, perhaps even devastation when he discovers his fiancée is pregnant. He knows he's not the father. He's a just man. He's an honorable man. He's not the father. And Nazareth is a small town. And the news of the pregnancy of this young woman, Mary, would quickly become known, obviously. The Mosaic Law said that a woman who was about to get married who was not a virgin had done, I quote from Deuteronomy 22, had done an outrageous thing in Israel. I realize it's not an outrageous thing in America, but according to the Mosaic Law, to have sex before marriage was an outrageous thing. And if the virgin the person, the woman about to get married was discovered not to be a virgin, she deserved death. That's how serious it was regarded. It's very interesting, as we read about Joseph, rather than trying to defend his own character or to malign Mary, Joseph, it says, verse 19, was unwilling to put her to shame. That was good, wasn't it? He obviously loved this young woman. So Joseph made, according to verse 19, a very important resolution. He resolved to divorce her quietly. He's a just man, the Bible says. Uh, We read that in verse nine. He's a just man. He's a man of honor. He's a man who follows the Mosaic law. He's a man of integrity. He doesn't want to create a scandal. He's not a man who wants some drama, some attention to himself. And no, when he discovers this, he wants to end the Engagement, he wants to divorce her quietly. I wonder, as we read about Joseph, if he thought about how she had become pregnant, he would have known her. But where do you know that this woman was a woman of great purity, obviously, for God to choose Mary to be uh, the mother of his son? She was a remarkable young woman, obviously, and he would have known that. Did he think that this woman, possibly that he'd known all his life, that he'd grown up in Nazareth, uh, that she had had sexual intercourse with another man? Interesting that Jerome writes, Joseph knew, now this is Jerome, it's not the Bible, but it's worth thinking about, Joseph, uh, Jerome writes, Joseph knew Mary's holiness. I Think that is true. And that it hid in silence a mystery he did not understand. Now that's somewhat speculative, but I think it's worth considering. We do know from the Bible That as Joseph is thinking of the implications of this, here he is, a young man engaged to this woman, and she's pregnant. He's not the father. As he's thinking about this, an angel of the Lord appears to him. And Joseph is told, Joseph, son of David, notice that. He's of the royal line. He's a son of David. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What news that his fiance, who's pregnant, that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. But then he's also told that he is to give this little boy who is being conceived of the Holy Spirit in the womb of his fiance, he's to give her the name Jesus. Verse 21, for he will save his people from their sins. This must have been overwhelming to Joseph. First of all, for an angel to appear to you in a dream in itself is overwhelming. Then to be told that the Holy Spirit has come upon your fiance, and furthermore, that she's going to give birth to a son, and I want you, Joseph, to give that little boy the name Jesus. Why Jesus? For he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus that we perhaps use so glibly, the name Jesus points to his greatest work. What is that? Salvation. Every time as Joseph and Mary are bringing up their little boy and they say the name Jesus, they're saying, Savior, Savior. We used to sing in Sunday school regarding Christ, He did not come to judge the world. He did not come to blame. He did not only come to seek, it was to save. He came. And when we call Him Jesus, and when we call Him Jesus, we call Him by His name. That's His name. That's the earthly name given to the Son of God. Of all the names that could have been chosen, He's given the name, the beautiful name, the wonderful name. Jesus. Why Jesus? It means Savior. He'll save his people from their sins. Now in this overwhelming situation this young man, I want you to get this, this young man Joseph obeys God. He acts with honor. He acts with integrity and he takes Mary as his wife. Turn over to Luke chapter 2 to read a little more of what we call the Christmas story as Joseph obeys the law, the Roman law, and goes to Bethlehem for the census. Luke chapter two, verse one. In those days, a decree went from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered even to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn think of the story think of the sequence of event shortly after the angel announces to joseph that his fiance is with child they are told that they are to go uh, to bethlehem for the census This would have been quite an adventure. But we see the integrity of this man, Joseph. A man whom God himself had raised. A man who's going to take care of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We see his integrity. We see his love for Mary as they travel with Mary at his side as he is protecting his wife, no doubt, as they travel. And we see his obedience. And when the time comes, to give birth, Joseph is there. In all probability, helping with the birth. He is there in the manger, Luke tells us. Luke 2 verse seven, because there was no place for them in the inn. And as the Messiah is born and laid in the manger, Joseph is there. He obeys God. Further in the story, When faced with a cruel king, Herod, Joseph continues to obey God. Remember the wise men don't come to the manger, but they go to the house in Bethlehem according to Matthew chapter two. And then the wise men are warned in a dream not to return to Herod, and so they return to their own country another way. And Joseph has another dream. Go back to Matthew, Matthew chapter two. Here's the second dream that Joseph has. Verse 13, the wise men had gone and when they had departed behold an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said rise take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him and he arose, Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. So as they're in Bethlehem, Joseph has this other dream. The angel of the Lord comes to him and says now, I want you to take Mary and Jesus and I want you to go to Egypt to avoid this evil king, Herod. Herod, of course, wants to destroy the babies. And as Joseph hears from the angel of the Lord, notice what he does? He immediately obeys. It's night. He leaves. Immediately he leaves and goes to Egypt. And through this man, Joseph, this obedient man, this quiet man, God is preserving his son, Jesus Herod is furious as he realizes he's been tricked by the wise man and in his sure he puts out this edict to kill all of the boys in Bethlehem who were according to verse 16 2 years old or under. Herod is a monster. We know from history that he would kill anyone including his own family who got in his way for, for his lust for power and prestige. And he wants to kill the Messiah. Now after the death of Herod, the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in another dream. Look at it in verse 19. Here's the third dream. Matthew 2 verse 19, but when Herod died, behold an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. So they go from Bethlehem to Egypt to escape the monster Herod. The angel says, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. Again, we see God preserving and guiding this man Joseph to take care of Mary and the son, Jesus. Verse 22, but when he heard that, so they go back to Israel, but when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod he was afraid to go there and being warned in a dream he withdrew to the district of Galilee this is the fourth dream and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene Joseph goes with Mary to Bethlehem the angel tells Joseph to take Mary as his wife he does that. They then go from Bethlehem uh, to Egypt at uh, the command of the angel of the Lord. They then return from Egypt to Israel at uh, the command of the angel of the Lord. And then, in another dream, he guides the family back to Nazareth, his hometown. And is there we know that Jesus is raised.
0: You're listening to The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe, And we'll continue with part two of this Christmas message when we come back next time. But remember, you can always find these daily lessons available on our website at theverdict.org. You know, with all the confusion and turbulence in our world today, many people are struggling to find peace and security. That's why John wrote a booklet titled Eternal Security, Finding Certainty in a Chaotic World. In it, John shares his personal testimony, along with a careful examination of Scripture to help you and your loved ones find clarity on matters of eternity. This special resource is completely free by mail or download. Just visit our website at theverdict.org. And while you're there, be sure to also sign up for John's monthly email newsletter. And if you appreciate the clear biblical teaching from John on The Verdict, Then we invite you to partner with our ministry by supporting The Verdict with a donation before the end of the year. Your contribution will help us share these biblical messages and resources with a wider audience around the world. You can easily give a year-end one-time gift or set up a recurring donation. Just go to theverdict.org or call us at 833-551-2231 or send your check in the mail by writing to The Verdict. Care of Calvary Church, 5801 Pineville Matthews Road, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. Now here's Pastor John Monroe.
1: Well, what's your verdict? Will you come with me to the manger today? Did you see Joseph, this man of obedience? He's an intriguing character, isn't he? And as we reflect on him, we're challenged regarding our own obedience. Joseph was asked by the angel to do a very difficult thing, and he obeyed. What about you? Are you obedient to your heavenly Father? This Christmas season, is God asking you to do something which you find is very difficult? Follow the example of Joseph, the obedient man. Next time, we'll continue thinking of Joseph.
0: Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.